Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hello, friend. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit going on in your world right now. Yeah, yeah, and the the whole world. But yeah, yeah. I know. How are you? We're doing all right over here. I had to go to the grocery store this morning, which I feel like is preparing for a battle at this point. I don't have a mask, <laughs> so I had this scarf just wrapped around my neck or my face, and just. I don't know. It's just so weird. It's just so weird right now. But yeah. 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 I, you know, I've been kind of isolated from a lot of this with being a new mom for the second time, but <laughs> I did go to the store yesterday for the first time, like actually went somewhere and I'm like, Oh, this is what everyone's been talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> a little yeah. Uncomfortable. yeah but, but, uh, well, yeah, super excited for our discussion today. Um, we are talking to Laura. Hi, Laura. Um, Hello, <laughs> Laura. So uh, we had Jess on last week, so uh, Laura and Jess do the Modern Mamas podcast together. And Laura introduced me and Marissa, which is super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a trip. It, I'm just I'm like still kind of in awe sitting here watching you guys talk and not sitting here walking here. Yeah. <laughs> and just you know how this like how this all came to be and just uh, it's it's very cool. No, this is it, we just have a great. I don't know. I love Marissa. Like, I know. A I good know. partnership. And I, you saw that, you know, without, without us having met each other, which is really cool. I know. And just the ripple effect, Laura, I, I think I said something similar to Jess last week. And I know I said this to you when we randomly met that day. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. Like not only do you have this podcast in this community, but now we have branched off into our own thing because of something that you started. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just the coolest thing. It's the coolest, especially in the world that we're all working in where we get, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that a lot of times it can be really hard for brand new moms or moms in general to like make friends and connect. And it can be so isolating and it can be so lonely. So the fact that Jess and I started the, you know, the Modern Mamas podcast, and then we met both of you and have been able to connect so deeply. And now you get to create this thing that's going to connect and reach even more women, more moms. It's just um, gives me all the feels. Oh, I know. It's and so I think cool. something I love during this time, like I went to both of the retreats you had, obviously I've talked about that on our podcast and met these women and it's all kind of this community that listens to podcasts and stays in touch virtually. So now like going through this part postpartum period with this virus going on where you're not seeing the normal people that are in your everyday life, like these women that I've met through you are the ones like reaching out to me you know, reaching out every day, like, how are you doing? What's, you know, what's new? And just because we're connecting in this way that isn't necessarily person to person every day. So I think that's that really cool. That makes me cool. want to cry. <laughs> it's so cool. It is. It's, it's really, it's really just a special. wonderful group of women. I was going to say the community is out of control. It's just the best thing that's, honestly, it's ever happened to me. Like, I really think about my postpartum experience and how it was trans, like, I don't know what it would have been like if I hadn't had that because I started that podcast, the Modern Mamas podcast when I was seven months pregnant. And so it's just thinking about that experience without that community is, it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I told you, and I've mentioned this probably a ton of times on here, my postpartum anxiety, that was so bad. And just having that, your podcast and that community was a game changer. I mean, like truly a game changer for me. So forever, forever grateful for all of this. 
Um, Me too. (laughs) I know. I know. We could probably gush forever. At least I could. Forever. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and read your bio because I guess I should probably let everyone know. Not everyone knows Laura. All about you all should. (laughs) She's like our celebrity. All right. Laura is a certified nutrition consultant, certified CrossFit trainer, Modern Mamas podcast co-host, safer skincare advocate, and mama to Evie Wilder. Her mission with Radical Roots is to inspire holistic health and happiness through connecting with people and planet, practicing intuitive movement and nutrition, working toward mindful parenthood, spending time outside, and traveling often in her family's van, Homer. She also loves her sourdough sisterhood and the connection it's brought to her world. Again, welcome. <laughs> Hi. That's fun to hear. <laughs> it's so like, much. Yeah. So cool. uh, I know. I'm like, what a, wait a minute. That's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that sums up our world, though. Mm-hmm. Things. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got to talk to Jess last week, and that was like a fun Enneagram discussion. But now we're, we're talking postpartum, which um, is obviously very relevant to me right now. Um, do you want to talk about your story a little bit and why you became interested in like helping postpartum women? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll preface this whole thing by letting you all know that I am on a walk in Berkeley because we live in a studio currently until five days from now. And so if you hear cars and whatnot, I apologize. This is kind of my only option. So here I am, even though I am three months postpartum or three years postpartum, (laughs) still very much in that season of like making it work, you know, that's, that's life, that's motherhood. Um, so yeah, so I, gosh, fell into the podcast beautifully. I don't know how much you guys talked about with Jess last week. Um, as far as like the conception of the modern Mama's podcast, but it really just happened supernaturally. I was pregnant. Um, Jess and I connected over social media, which is such a magical thing to think about. Cause that's really how I connected with both of you. And, um, and I was just, I had had a really beautiful experience. Like both conceiving, which is something that it's a whole nother story, but something that I thought was going to take a lot longer than it did. Um, I have a whole history of, you know, no, no period for a long time and just fertility stuff. And then when we finally were like, okay, it's time. I think the universe let us know, or maybe Evie let us know that it was time for her to join us. And so that, that process, um, happened pretty quickly and pregnancy was pretty wonderful. Some nausea, obviously, but overall good. And then, um, you know, I had this, I did, I did a lot of internal work beforehand and did a lot of internal work during, um, just with my therapist and my headspace and working on surrender. And then my labor and delivery was exactly what I'd hoped. It was just kind of this dreamy experience. And then, um, also postpartum for me was really incredible. And so my story in coming to want to serve post, uh, women postpartum, is not necessarily one that has resulted from like having a really hard experience and wishing I'd had things better set up. It was more coming from a place of just really embracing and feeling so much deep gratitude for the experience that I had and wanting to help other women feel supported and feel seen. I mean, we had um, friends bringing us food. We had, I had this incredible network of women that I'd met through the podcast who, you know, were just there and, and asking me questions and supporting. And I just felt, I felt very seen and I felt like the space was uh, consistently held for me. And I felt like I could ask for space when I needed it or ask for help when I needed it. And that was all just very, very powerful. Um, and so that's kind of where I realized, like, I started to realize through the podcast and through the women who were reaching out to me and through the questions that I was getting asked that in fact, most, my, my experience was an exception to the norm. Um, having a really positive experience was not normal. Um, and feeling seen and feeling heard and supported and all that. And so I was like, well, that something has to change because I got to experience that and it was really, really magical. And so how can I help other women? have a positive experience, which is then going to, you know, ripple out to raising a child who's had a a really good, you know, first years of life, which whether there might be argument around that, but I think is incredibly important. Um, And then empowering these women to love on themselves and care for themselves and then raise future citizens of this earth who are also, um, you know, they've been seen and heard. And I just think that they, by supporting moms, this might might be a stretch in some people's minds, but I truly believe by supporting moms, we can we can change the future of the planet and society. Because starting with empowered moms who are going to raise empowered children, um, I just think that's that could be a game changer. So I'm gonna try and do my tiny little part to make some sort of a difference, and um, it's the most fulfilling work that I could ever ask for. That's so beautiful. It is. It's powerful. 
Yeah. And me and Marissa both had with our first children, difficult experiences postpartum. And um, so I think that is why we've been called more into this space of supporting women during pregnancy and postpartum, because we didn't have that easy time. And I don't think I can evaluate this postpartum experience yet because it's been, what, 23 days? <laughs> um, <laughs> you are still very much in it. <laughs> yes, but it's it's going like ridiculously better than the first time. And it's like, oh, if I had known some of these things, I mean, some of them were just biological, but um, if I had known some of these things the first time around, I think it would have helped me a lot or prepared a little bit better. So uh, I'm feeling that even more now of like supporting women and um, just, yeah, like preparing. It, it was so many of the stories you heard from people, like you said what you were going through and you're like, oh yeah, I went through that too. And it's like, well, why, why didn't I hear about that before? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, cause it took me totally. months of going through this before I shared that. And then now we're having this conversation. So I don't know. And I'd be curious, Michelle, for you to know, it, you know, it, you're in a place now where you get to support and serve other women going through this. And I wonder how that, cause I, I don't have, I have an N equals one experiment, right? Just the one thing. And I wonder if, because I had this opportunity to help other people, even while I was going through it, if somehow that impacted my, my journey, my postpartum journey as well, because you know, I felt fulfilled in a way that wasn't just like, just being there with this tiny human who couldn't really interact. I was getting that interaction and feeling like not only seen, but also like I was serving some kind of larger purpose. It felt so profound to me. So I'll be curious to hear on the other side of this, if having this podcast and this place to both be heard and also like hear other people um, might help as well. Cause I really think the podcast was such a huge game changer for me having that and, you know, recording my birth story 10 days later, it just, it was so powerful and such a cool place to be able to process too. Yeah. And I think it definitely increases awareness for yourself. If, if I'm checking in and talking about how my postpartum experience is going, it's kind of a place to almost have to admit to yourself like, Oh, I'm not moving at all. And I don't feel great. (laughs) And then it, it kind of clicks in like, Oh, maybe maybe I want to take care of myself a little better. I I don't know where it's, if you're just sitting in that space without an outlet, it can be easier to just sink deeper. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's accountability, but not the kind of accountability where it's like someone like no one else has expectations for you, but it is kind of, you you have this cool place to be able to share your journey and inspire other people, which is cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I wondered if you, were if you had any issues because I do think a lot of the people like you said didn't have that support especially with the first baby and that's why they're called into that space but I think that's amazing that you're you recognize what you had um yeah it was it was magical and of course I mean don't get me wrong there was there was hard days hard nights sleep stuff um you know some breastfeeding like it wasn't like this dream like all of a sudden she latched and it's a perfect <laughs> I, you know I got mastitis and I remember I'll never forget one morning waking up and telling that like I just want to cut them off like I just, just <laughs> want to cut these boobs off they're so hard um but but like even through the hard stuff I was I felt super supported so the hard stuff felt less hard and it it never felt like I'm going to be in this forever and I'm alone or like the loneliness I think can be so crippling um and not having that solidarity like yes things are hard but I I had so many people that I could just call or reach out to and be like, ah, I actually don't, don't tell me how to fix this, but I just want to vent to you. <laughs> and that space is, is really great too. Um, so yeah, especially like, you know, now I'm almost three years out of it and I look back and I, I remember the good more than the hard. Um, so it's easy to look back now and be like, man, it was dreamy, but there was definitely hard stuff, but overall the experience was incredibly positive and I am so grateful for that. Yeah, and that actually reminds me, if um, if anybody here is not in the Modern Mamas podcast Facebook group, I think I mentioned this to you at one point, Laura, but somebody, just somebody I'd never met before, I posted something about my breastfeeding experience. Connor had a tongue tie and we didn't find out until later. I posted in your Facebook group and somebody who had been through the exact same thing, like six months earlier, reached out to me and we talked back and forth for a long time and it really did save... I was ready to quit breastfeeding and it like just somebody else who said, I know it feels like it can't get better, but it might (laughs) like just having somebody say that to you. Like I've been there and it did get better. 
even though it felt like it wouldn't, uh, was enough to like keep going, I guess, when, when you feel like you don't know where there's a way out, like just somebody else saying I've been there and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yes. There's a magic in that. The solidarity piece. Is so it powerful. really is. Cause it can be really isolating, especially if everybody else around you seems to have the perfect latch and like everything's going well. And you're like, well, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> of course I yeah. had inverted, inverted nipples and, um, and you know, I had a lot of like, I remember kind of feeling like, gosh, am I, am I good enough? I'm using a shield. Like, is this okay? And it's like, my kid was fed. And then five months later, she weaned off of it easily. And I just let go of that after like two days, you know, I didn't care about people's judgment anymore. I would be out at a brewery and just like whip it on. <laughs> and like, people can feel however they want to feel. And if someone takes issue or judges me, it's like, that is on them. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that I took into motherhood is like this thanks to therapy and like also getting to talk to people like Eliza Parker and about like being okay to feel our feelings and everyone has, has an opinion and that's fine. This is like totally a tangent, but that was powerful for me to both know that people are going through it too. And I, I have resources, but then also if someone's going to make a judgment of me or criticize me in the way that I'm deciding to raise my kid and parent, um, that's their issue, not mine. And that's a profound thing to, I think to take in. And so I'm eternally grateful again for the podcast because we got to talk to, you know, Liz Wolf right off the gate. And then she introduced us to Eliza Parker and the things that they shared about their experiences, Liz with her postpartum experience. And then Eliza with like how we can embrace our kids and let them feel things. Um, then that also carried over into like the way that I treated myself. And that was really, really, really powerful. I love that. So what, what did self-care look like for you? Self-care for me was really like good food. Um, that's, <laughs> that's huge for me and, and my, my whole world. So it was a combination of people like really good friends who know the way they eat that I eat and really like, know that that's a huge love language for me, like really preparing food with love from scratch and bringing it over. Um, and then, you know, that then, and also included, which I think is a big part of food and that experience, like getting to sit down, even if it was just for five or 10 minutes and just connect and talk and like look each other in the eyes and let them meet Evie, this thing that I was incredibly proud of. Um, so that was all encompassing. And then also just Rusty was preparing food for me and I was cooking because that for me is really cathartic. And so just this perfect combination of, I didn't feel like I had to cook every meal because I was really well cared for, but then also I got to cook when I wanted to and Rusty knew that was important. I mean, just having him home, um, was so huge. He coached crosses at the time, just across the street. So he'd like run over across the street, coach a class or two, come back and check in and like be there. So that was huge. But so food, um, movement, starting with just in the beginning, early stages, just like breath work and getting on the ground and just moving and feeling my body out and seeing where, what felt good and what didn't. And then as I got to a place where I could add, incorporate more in, um, adding in more actual workouts and just really meeting myself where I was and using movement and fitness as a way to care for myself, not to, um, get my body back or, you know, lose weight or whatever it was. I just, it felt so good to move and then a really long walks on top of that. So I'd wrap Evie up and just go and just walk and listen to other people's podcasts and um, jump on Boxer and talk to Jess and like have this, these incredible connections where I got to really, you know, connect people virtually, connect people in person and then move my body sometimes all at the same time. And then so movement, nutrition, and I think connection kind of segueing from there is just having, making sure that I was getting time to get out. Um, sorry, Michelle, I know that's probably hard to hear right now, but, but also just to like, to get out and to connect with people and, you know, try and even if it was just like going to the grocery store, um, getting really comfortable, just bringing her with me, wrapping her up. And then at the same time, like saying no, if, if I didn't feel like it was a safe spot for people to be holding her, touching her, whatever. Um, so the, I think those would be the three and a very long winded response would be nourishing foods, movement and connection. Um, you're really just connecting with good friends, whether it was virtually or in person. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause I do think there's something even about just making nourishing choices for food that it is, it's self-care. Like it sets you up to be nourished and like, I care about myself. I'm going to put good things in my body and you feel good about what you're giving your baby through your milk. And, um, and that was something I've mentioned that, I was, I'm working on this resource for preparing food ahead of time when you're pregnant, like freezing some stuff or like 
you know, freezing partial meals. And um, that's been a real blessing now that I worked on that so hard before (laughs) giving birth. And then now being in this state where uh, food might not be available in the stores or even grocery shopping is not a given (laughs) at this point. So that's, that's been a blessing, but the universe had your back, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like having like, inspiration. Oh my gosh. All the soups in the first week. I just needed all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. We're talking about being ravenous. I feel like I was eating around the clock. Rusty would bring me a perfect bar in bed at like four or 5 a.m. Because I would wake up and be like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. And then, and also, I, you know, getting to just like lay in bed and then I'd eat that, nurse her again. And then, um, he'd go make me breakfast. I'd come out and eat. And man, it's just, it's so fun to think back to actually, like the number of meals I ate with her on my boob, um, figuring that out was also pretty powerful (laughs) because somehow, I don't know if you guys agree, but somehow new babies know the moment you're about to sit down and eat, like they can do. I'm (laughs) like, cool. We can eat at the same time. I, I'm half expecting that, uh, her to know that I'm recording a podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. They're wise. They're wise. <laughs> um, Laura, were there things that you did in late pregnancy or things that maybe you wish you had done to kind of set yourself up for an easier time postpartum? I think we just, we, one thing that I think is pretty huge was just setting up boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. my family knew that, that when I went into labor, like we weren't going to tell anybody that was going to be our experience. And I think that set us up in a way to, um, really help people understand like, this is our experience and we are so grateful to get to share it with people and bring people in. But like, also we're not afraid to ask for space and we need it or help when we need it or whatever we need. We, we, I felt very heard and seen once again, like I can ask for what I need and people will acknowledge that people want to help. So I get to help them help me by saying what it is that I need. So that started in late pregnancy, just like making that clear. Um, This is, you know, kind of just like, here's what I need, whether it's support or space or whatever. That was big. And then, um, I mean, I just didn't worry about, I think this is kind of big for me, at least in my headspace. Like my my word going into it all was surrender. So I, I'm not going to try and make this an experience. I am going to it, like embrace the experience that it is. And that went from everything to like not feeling like we need to buy all the baby stuff, which now I'm grateful for. I wish we'd actually gotten less. Like she never slept in her crib. That was, mm. you know, not something that we needed. And we got it as a gift, of course. But um, I feel like society, it's similar to weddings and, you know, these things where it's like this kind of mentality. And there's such an industry around it where, we are kind of fed this idea that we have to do all of these things to be prepared. And the things that matter most are headspace going into this and just like feeling seen and loved and, and heard and knowing that me, me as a mom, like I, I had more just wisdom and gut and ability to love my daughter and keep her well than anyone could ever tell me. And so taking that headspace into postpartum, I think was incredibly powerful because I didn't seek out the message boards and I wasn't necessarily like always looking outward for answers. My first space that I always went to when I had a question about what she needed was always like first me, like really sit with it and like, what, what is she asking for right now? What is she needing from me? And then talking to Rusty about it. And then honestly talking to her about it, which would then help me better understand. And of course, when she's a newborn, she's not actually answering, but they can in their own way. So I think the thing that I best did to support or like set myself up for postpartum was just knowing that I wouldn't have all the answers, but to kind of embrace that and learn as I go versus like trying to read every book and learn everything ahead of time. Because then I think it's pretty easy to be set up for feeling like in some way you failed because your story, all of our stories are not going to be the same as whatever we read in any book. Um, and no book can teach us how to be moms. That's something that we have to learn. And I don't think that we all have this like gut innate. I'm a mom. I know exactly what to do all the time. I think that the most powerful thing that we can do is, is like open our minds and hearts to know that this is a really big growth opportunity. And that, you know, it's funny because the last podcast that I recorded with Jess, we talked about how, what did she say? There is no failure only, gosh, I'm going to butcher it. But Mm. every quote unquote failure is actually just an opportunity to learn and grow from that. Um, And that's all that they need from us is just, open mind and like a growth mindset so where they're teaching us as much as we are teaching them throughout this whole journey. And so 
that way I didn't feel like I wasn't doing things right because I didn't read the book that told me the quote unquote right way to do things. Um, I just, I read a lot of, and listened to a lot of birth stories. Um, and that was cool for me, but the postpartum stuff, you know, I started to read the breastfeeding one and I was like, I just, this isn't, sorry, there's a truck driving by. This isn't computing for me. Um, this isn't, I, I can't read this book and then feel like I understand. Um, and this is just one person's perspective or a few people or whatever. So I just went into breastfeeding and I, you know, used lactation consultants. I was open to learning, but also kind of just taking it all with a grain of salt, if that makes sense. So hopefully that answers the question. No, absolutely. I love that so much because I mean, I found it really hard to tune into myself as someone who was chronically overthinking and like everything was external. Was that mindset something that you had? I mean, I know you said you've been working on that for years. Um, Did you ever like, was that ever hard for you or kind of how did you get into that place where you just really trusted yourself? Because I'm sure it wasn't an overnight thing. Maybe. No, (laughs) no. I'd been seeing a mindfulness-based therapist for, it's like, I look back on my journey and my infertility or my, you know, I didn't have a period and I was in chronic pain and it was the pain that, that brought me to therapy. And then she ended up being so much more for me and helping guide me to really like tune in and better know myself and the way that my brain works and really like leaning into surrender in many aspects of my life. Um, cause I was so type a, I think about if I had had a baby when I was like, I mean, for multiple reasons, I didn't want to do this, but let's say when I was like 23 or 24, how, how hard it would have been for me because I wanted to control everything. Um, so I think some of it obviously was that, that work that I'd done. And then also, um, just the support that I had and, and the, when I would share what I was doing, like, I didn't feel like I was just shooting in the dark. I could have these ideas and feelings about how I want to do things and then share them on the podcast or talk them through with Rusty or talk them through with friends who've had kids and feel that validation of like, yes, I am. I know what I'm doing, you know, versus seeking out answers. I kind of would come to the table with, here's how I feel about this. What do you think? Um, And that was cool because I got to own that I did feel what was right for her and then just be supported and validated through that. Um, So it's still like, I'm a very... I like to process by talking things through and I had a lot of people to talk to. Um, and, and so that the solidarity there was really powerful. And then some of it, I don't, I just, it's hard to know, right. Because I don't have any other experience. So I don't know exactly wh- how I came to that. I think a lot of it was this is a podcast and the experts we got to talk to. Um, but somehow in all of that, like, I think that could have spiraled me too. Like, Oh, I'm talking to these experts all the time. Um, and you know, am I doing it right based on what they're sharing? Instead, I came into those recordings with like, I get to hear a lot of different experiences and then pick and choose what's going to be best for me in my world. Um, So yeah, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) No, Uh, in all honesty. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Cause I know it take, it it can take a long time to get to that place. And I think it's incredible that you kind of just went in with this gut instinct and you, you trusted it, right? Like we all have that instinct, but it's, it can be hard to trust sometimes. So I think totally. And I did have it. We had an experience. So we've co-slept with Evie her whole life. Um, and she, she sleep, we had some really, really tough seasons of sleep. And now that I've been doing this for a long time and I've talked to so many moms, I'm like, everybody pretty much has some tough seasons of sleep with babies. Um, she teethed really hard, really fast. And she nursed like throughout the night a ton until I finally night weaned at like 17 months. Um, and at one point we did, um, I don't think I had night weaned yet. I don't Oh, maybe I had, I can't remember, but Rusty and I had like reached a point where like, we don't know what we're doing. And that was, I think one of the the only moments where I really was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought that. And so a friend recommended a sleeping, like gentle sleeping coach. And I think they're wonderful. I think whatever works for every, each kid and each family is wonderful. But in that moment, I surrendered what, like my own ability to read her and know it was best. And we hired this, we, it was going to be this cool kind of trade situation. The woman was wonderful. One night in, one you know, Rusty was trying to put her down, and and I was out on the couch just sobbing, and she, I could hear her in there crying. And she, we didn't leave her; he was with her, but it was like this gentle where he just kind of sat there and talked to her a little bit. And I that in that I remember boxing Jess and our other friend Kim and being like, "This feels so wrong. This feels so wrong. This feels so wrong." And just crying. And the next day, Evie was different. She was different, like the way she was um, responding and behaving and looking at us and. She just seemed, it's hard to put words to it, but like, 
like sad and, and it's hard. It's really hard to kind of, you know, once again, goes that gut, like I knew in my gut, this was not serving us. And so we started the next evening. We're like, let's give it three days, five minutes. in, I was like, Nope. And I went in there and Rusty was like, I agree. Nope. And so it just, and then the, the great part about all of that was that that experience was such a, like a crucial reminder to me that I've then moved forward with where I know what's best. And so then we went back to bed sharing. I went back to nursing her. I cried, held her in my arms and just nursed her probably extra that night. And I was like, this is where we need to be right now in this season. I might not be getting as much sleep as I need, but like, this is so temporary and this is something that's special to us. And then it's, it's gone on to serve us so well, because then, you know, not that long after we moved into a van and we've bed shared since. And, um, it's allowed us a lot of wiggle room and flexibility to audible and and live this life that we really wanted where if she, we had done this sleep coaching thing and got her into her own crib. And then, then we have all of these like kind of parameters and boundaries that we have to maintain to keep her there. And that's the world that that's the life that we've been supposed to live. And then, you know, and we're moving in five days to this for the first time. We'll have two bedrooms and we'll see what happens then. Like she'll have the space, maybe have her own room and we'll kind of read her, but with such a different headspace now with far more confidence in the fact that we, as her parents, can read her and we know what's best and we've done instead of we've done and followed what's working really well for us and so you know I did have that moment where I doubted myself and and then I was kind of faced with this opportunity to learn from that and remember that I do know you know I know what she needs I know and it's not just about what she needs I don't think we should go through I don't love the word should, word should but I don't think it's super productive to go through parenthood and motherhood feeling like we only need to be serving them, right? We also have to kind of figure out what is going to serve us because it has to be mutually beneficial. Um, and so I think that's really important to carry with too, is she needs to know that, that I matter too, and that Rusty matters and that my relationship with Rusty matters. And it's, we're a family unit. And of course, when they're brand newborn, we have to cater to pretty much everything. But then as they get older and can, you know, have conversations and better understand, it's like, yes, I know you want to play right now. I know you want milk right now, but it's my body and I will, I'll give it to you when I'm ready. And this is when you'll, you know, so again, another tangent, cause that's what I do. <laughs> no, I think even just with like choosing providers, like you said, I, I had to learn that again with Connor, like I would go through, go to like the first person I found on my insurance, like a chiropractor. Cause we wanted to take care of him when he had his tongue tie and like get, get a chiropractic care or like lactation consultants. Like every time that I just like picked a name off my insurance list, it was like, I kind of had this bad feeling, but I talked myself into it and it, it just every time ended up not great. <laughs> and then just like going through people that I trusted and recommendations and then feeling them out and going with my gut. It's, it's been like, now I feel like I have this real network of people who totally have my back in this area. And it's, it's amazing versus just like, like you said, just taking advice because this person's supposed to be an authority on the subject. Um, and there are so many shoulds postpartum. You, your kid should be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. And then it projects onto you as a parent and it can just make you question and doubt everything. But my son was very similar to Evie. It sounds like Laura in the sleep situation, because so many people said, Oh, just let him cry. Oh, he'll be fine. My kid did it. And they're, they work, they're turned out great and all these things. And it's like, yeah, but did they first of all, but <laughs> there is this, <laughs> it was family. I can say that there is this, I don't know, this deep, this part of you, at least for me, and it sounds like you too, it was just screaming, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. This doesn't feel good. And we did everything that people say you quote, shouldn't do with sleeping and feeding and nursing. I mean, everything. And it just, it worked. And you know what? He's a pretty cool kid now. And he <laughs> told us the other day, he was having a hard time at bedtime. And I went back there and he goes, mommy, I'm struggling. And I was <laughs> like, me too, dude. <laughs> Me too. But just like you said, that communication. And now that they're older, they can, you know, you can have these conversations and they might not totally get it, but like, I don't know. Cause we, we kept that dialogue open throughout his whole entire life. And it started with me being an advocate for myself really early on. Um, not as early as I would have liked probably, but still early enough that he picked up on that. And it's, you know, it's just cool. It's just a cool thing to see happen in real time. Totally. And every, every kid is so different because I do know some who just thrive um, and, you know, having their own space and maybe they did cry it out for a few nights and, but then they ended up sleeping way better. And it's just, it's so interesting how every 
child and every relationship is just so different. Um, but yeah, I think the most powerful thing we can do is just figure out what is going to best serve us in our relationship with our kid and our kid. And it's, it's, it's so wonderful. It can be so hard, but, um, it's, it's definitely an opportunity for growth. That's for sure. Yeah. So many and do you mind, um, so this question around preparing for the postpartum period, this is something I've been talking about a decent amount lately in the light of COVID. Um, so I, if it's okay, I'd like to just touch on that really quickly for anybody who's finding this, who might be in their third trimester or newly postpartum, um, because it is kind of different. And for me personally, having my baby three weeks ago, there are things that I prepared for that aren't available anymore. (laughs) Um, So I I think just something I've been talking about is, and Laura, I'd love to get your side of this because you're kind of on the other side, but care providers I'm finding are tending to offer more things virtually. And I think there's the ability to reach out, like if you planned on getting massage therapy or getting uh, therapy therapy or whatever, whatever support you think you needed postpartum, like reaching out to your providers and seeing what they could offer without you needing to go in. Um, Cause that's something I'm really exploring now because my plans have kind of fallen by the wayside. And um, I also think there's kind of a lot of guilt. Like I'm, I'm thankful that I'm not going through the experience I went through when I had my son, like with the tongue ties and having all that, the issues postpartum in a time where you're not supposed to leave your house. Um, I would just hate for women out there to feel this extra guilt around needing to see a lactation consultant or um, needing to get the help they need because people on Facebook are throwing around this judgment around things. <laughs> I don't know Gosh, if you have any all the judgment. on that. Um, yeah, I... It's so, it's so frustrating. That's why I avoided, I would say I would avoid all, this is super biased, but all online virtual chat rooms around motherhood, except for the Modern Moms podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because every other one I've dabbled in has been like so early. Like Evie has MTHFR. And so I got into one for like moms with kids with that. And I'm like read two posts and I was like, I'm out. It just like, so much projecting, so much projecting. So someone who's going to judge somebody because they're, whatever their nursing experience is, like that person is projecting their own, can I cuss? Their own stuff yeah. on, on, on to, to that other woman because they haven't dealt with it and processed it. And the internet makes it so, so easy for people to have opinions and not to look at you, look you in the eye and tell you them to your face. Instead, they can hide behind the screen and, and, you know, in some roundabout way, they feel like maybe they're processing their own stuff by just being potentially awful to other people. And it makes me, it makes me cringe. But then on the same note, and in the same breath, it's like the internet also has created the most incredible relationships. And this new season we're in this temporary new normal um, is opening a lot of doors to actually make things a little bit simpler and a little bit easier. I remember the first time I had to like put Evie in the car seat and it just felt wrong. I wasn't ready to take her to the pediatrician yet. Um, And so now everything that she did there, that the doctor, could have been done virtually. And so it's kind of this new, also, it's like picking and choosing who we interact with on the internet, on the internet is actually pretty simple because it's easy, as easy as like closing a chat or getting out of that space or just leaving or ignoring the call or whatever it is. Um, and so we get to now be empowered to like select who we want to interact with online. And it can be really, really empowering if we create that space and create those boundaries, or it can be really kind of triggering or painful if we allow people to say things that that um, they are, they need to say, or for whatever reason, to, pro- to project their own stuff. So, in this new temporary normal, I'm curious to see what comes of it that becomes an actual new, more permanent normal, like some of this care that could be done virtually, where now we get to alleviate all the stress for this mom to put her baby in the car seat for the first time, and when she doesn't quite feel ready, and you know she's like wearing a pad and still bleeding, and having to go to this doctor's office where there could be sick people, and now she's exposing her baby to that. I think that's a silver lining. Um, but then obviously it's got to be hard to not necessarily have like the touch of a postpartum massage and the things that are really cup filling to actually be touched and do in person. So it's kind of like figuring out, trying to right perspective shift, like focus on the, the good that's come from this and maybe like the things that are silver linings, but then also acknowledging the stuff that's really hard and like really crappy and, and that you're not getting that. Um, but then the hope of, you know, in a month or so when this is passing, being able to then, 
you know, get to you still. So maybe you're now a month or two postpartum instead of brand new postpartum, but you still get to love on yourself and take care of yourself. And you're still worthy of having that wonderful postpartum massage and getting seen and cared for. It's never too late. So the stuff that really matters that you re- like really for you were important parts of the postpartum period and you had set those up, just hold them, put them in your pocket and know that, they, that they'll be there again. And in the meantime, what can you lean into that's going to help you feel supported and seen, even if it is virtually, um, like maybe having more virtual happy hours or coffee dates. Um, and cause, cause the interesting thing is like for postpartum women and families, oftentimes you're kind of the only one it's isolating because everyone else is going about their regular life and you are home constantly all the time with this brand new baby. But now we're in this unique stage where everyone's home all the time. And so maybe there's opportunity there to be home and cozy in your own bed with your baby on your boob or on the bottle or whatever. And at the same time, other people are in a similar situation. And so maybe there's more opportunity for virtual connecting when this season could be more isolating. So kind of just traversing those waters by leaning into the things that are available. And like I said, like putting in your back pocket for a later date versus just like, Oh, well, that's not on the table anymore. I'm not going to get those things. You still can, but just not right now. So what can you do right now in this time? Who can you rely on? Who can you be reaching out to? Who can you be seeing? And how can you serve yourself um, through this? And of course, it's all a little bit easier said than done, but um, kind of just trying to traverse those waters with that headspace can be helpful. Yeah, and even, um, this is going to sound funny, but I did get a virtual massage. <laughs> um, I That's amazing. It was... Uh, my massage teacher, you know, I studied Thai massage. He walked my husband through on video, like a little routine for my low back. Cause I had been sitting a lot and just your shoulders from breastfeeding. Like sometimes you hold tension. And, um, so it was like specific to what I needed. Cause my husband wouldn't have necessarily the ability to feel something, ask for feedback. So, uh, you know, and I had budgeted so for cool. getting actual massages. So that was, okay to do <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, you're supporting people who don't have much of an income right now um but yeah so that was something that was cool I, I just think that there's some things like I, I it breaks my heart to think when I was like my nipples were bleeding and I just was crying and crying every time I fed my son to think like you know if you need somebody to come to your house maybe call around and see there's a lot of practitioners who haven't seen anybody in five days, but they'd be willing to come to your house. Like, um, I don't know. I, I think, and that was something that we did not go to the pediatrician, but we did have my home birth midwife come back to the house three times after the birth to just check on, uh, my baby. And, you know, we, we know how many people she's touching and her hygiene. And if it's small enough, you can ask those questions and make the choice that's right for your family. But I think just putting these blanket things about don't, don't leave the house or don't expose, like it's, it's up to each woman. I think if this care is essential, because they say essential services are still open, that would include lactation consultants, things like that. Um, but I think there's just some of this judgment around from other people like trying to tell you how to handle what's essential <laughs> if that makes oh sense. Oh my gosh that's so much sense it's like a light bulb moment too where that's like a theme of postpartum period where everyone thinks that they get an opinion about the decisions that we make when once again we're going to make the decisions that feel the best for us and our babies. Exactly um, like obviously I yeah. don't want my baby to get COVID but if I really need help for my family I'm going to to do what I think is right. Uh, Absolutely. I feel like, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what if I was in that season right now and we're like going to the store one at a time. But if, if I was back in Santa Cruz and ran, like one of my favorite things in the whole world was walking, wrapping her in the carrier and walking to farmer's market, even though it was just to pick up a single loaf of sourdough from the local baker. Like that was for me, you know, that was powerful. And so I was thinking about that actually yesterday, if, cause farmer's markets are still considered essential, which thank, oh, okay. the, thank the Lord. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know, I probably would have still done that right now because it's powerful getting out, moving my body, walking, seeing this food that's locally grown and the way that that food is going to nourish our bodies. Like it's all life is not, we can't live in a bubble and we can't be, and I'm this don't take, like, I'm just saying, do what feels best to you because life is filled with 
uncertainty and it all feels so more so much more glaringly obvious and at the forefront right now but this is just life is filled with uncertainty and so what we can do is focus on the things that are within our control like you have and making the decisions that feel empowering and are going to best serve your family um and that might not be exactly what other people think that it should be and that's that's life right but if you're like you know accidentally starving your baby because you feel like you can't go out and get help like don't do that. Oh my <laughs> Please. gosh. No. Yes. Um, it's so just hard. hard. It's hard to, it's mm-hmm. hard to ask for help anyway. And I just feel like it would be so much harder right now. So, and these practitioners are setting themselves up and they're, they're being more cautious yes. and they have better, a better understanding of how to stay well. And they're working with some of like with newborns day in and day out. And so their practices are already far and above other people's. And like you said, like we, we have to feed, <laughs> feed our babies. We have to take care of ourselves. If your nipples are bleeding it, like, let's say, you're not well postpartum and there's just so many reasons why it's so worthwhile to seek support in whatever way it feels best. Yeah. So if you can do it virtually, I think that's a wonderful choice. If you can have somebody come to your home, make sure they're mm-hmm. washing their hands when they get there, that's, that's the next best. And then, but if you have to go somewhere, like, again, just make the choice that's right for your family. So yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. So that was just an aside. I know it's, <laughs> I, I feel for, especially if you're having your first kid right now, that it's, it can be kind of a scarier place with a lot more unknowns. So. Yeah. I can't imagine that. I think about that daily too. That's a really hard place to be, but I've got some friends who are expecting and just, I'm really inspired by a lot of like you, you included the, um, the, sorry, another truck, <laughs> the headspace a lot of women are in where they're just like taking this as an opportunity to really just dive in and be super present with the pregnancy and this experience or the early postpartum because if they go outside of that presence it can be spiraling and, and I feel that even though I'm I'm not brand new postpartum it's like it can be reading all the things and soaking in all the social media and like that's not necessarily a productive place to be um because one reading one more article that's been written to create hysteria and to be entertainment ultimately isn't going to be productive in any capacity how is that going to help in any way? You know, it's like just being where we are right now, loving on the humans that we get to see every day, loving on people virtually who we can as well. And just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of like goes into one of the other questions we had, like this kind of pressure to go back to normal, um, like your body or your routine, like back to this pre-baby state, that might be something that's a little bit alleviated right now because there there is no normal <laughs> there's but. no normal and nobody's gonna have this perfect beach body I mean no one there's no there's no such thing as a perfect beach body but I do think it's interesting that this is all happening we're all on like home quarantine and people are just baking sourdough <laughs> instead of like macro counting and I mean I'm sure some people are still are no judgment there but I just love that there's a shift right now where we're all like worldwide dealing with something and never, obviously, in my life has that been a thing. Um, and so my hope is that on the other side of this, we can all have a little bit more grace for each other. And like, instead of looking at other people's bodies on the beach, when we're back on the beach, we can think about, man, we all have this shared experience and how cool that now we're all, we're all here again. And we get to be outside and near people and just that like collective um, experience, I think will set us all up to maybe be a little kinder to each other is my hope on the other side. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is hard as a postpartum woman to like emerge as you are (laughs) in a way like you can, you can put on this face of like, Oh, everything's great. It's going exactly as I hoped, or you're in this place of hiding. Um, And this is true. I think opening up the conversation more to what is postpartum actually like. And, and also it's okay to feel 700 things at once. Like you can feel grateful and also angry or grateful and also like nervous or scared or like they're so you can feel over overjoyed but then also terrified it's like there's and now I think as a society more people are understanding what that feels like because COVID has created that for a lot of people whether or not they have a brand new baby and so now maybe we can all better understand and empathize with these brand new moms who are dealing with anxiety and dealing with uncertainty and dealing with all of this um now it's a little bit more collective in some ways yeah, I hope so. It's it would be wonderful if we are just able to more show up as we are, talk about what's going on because it really does help other people who are going through the same thing and they might have a harder time bringing it up. But like 
like this conversation we're having right now, um, I, you know, I'm sure anybody could reach out to any of us and say, you're struggling. And we'd, we'd be like, Oh, how can we, how can we help? What can we do? And actually I did create a Facebook group. Uh, so maybe Laura would allow this one as well in, in her social media. Uh, it's called, (laughs) and you can share it, share it in the modern mama's one too. Okay. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's called Purposeful Pregnancy and Postpartum. So it's kind of just meant to be this space for sharing resources specific to that phase of life. Um, just because we do want people to get help who can, who need help in that time or just need resources or recommendations on uh, here's what's going on. Do you know anything about this or whatever? So beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So. Uh, any like signs you think that people should reach out for help? It's kind of, uh, all based on interpretation, but if you feel like, um, there are fewer moments of joy in your day than, than not, you know, if like if the overwhelming feeling throughout the entire day is, um, Gosh, even if you're just feeling like, I don't think here's, what's interesting. I don't think we need to be struggling to ask for help. If that makes sense. Like just reaching out to people and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm existing and I'm pretty good, but I could still use support. Um, I think what it really comes down to is dialing in how you feel like you can be served and not being afraid to ask for that. Because ultimately, especially in the postpartum period, people really want to support it's, it's in our nature, right? We used to do this more tribally and like we would, it, it like the whole it takes a village thing was very much the, the norm and so I think as humans we instinctually want to support women who've had a baby um but oftentimes now especially with the way current society is sometimes I think that actually accidentally comes across as judgment um by trying to offer support that's a whole other story in any case what I found is I was I kind of mentioned earlier like I was resident were very clear about what we needed and anything from space to food to whatever and we felt very comfortable asking and what I, what I came to find after the fact was that people really appreciated that. They liked being told how they could help because now you're actually making it a lot easier for the people who care about you to help you when you just tell them exactly what you need versus them like having to kind of stab in the dark and guess and not be sure how to serve you, but really want to help. And so I think that's the first thing is like, you don't necessarily need to be struggling to ask for help. What do you need? Everybody who's just had a baby needs help, <laughs> period. So um, think about ways that you could ask for help from the people in your world whether it's maybe it's financial right now, maybe like who knows what it is, but asking is beneficial to everybody and letting people know what you need. If you don't know what you need, just creating connections even. Um, like, hey, friend, can we just set up a phone call? I just, wanna, I just wanna see your face and like talk real time for even if it's just 20 minutes, you know? Um, so I think it's dialing in what, what, how can you be served in this period? Because we all can um, in that postpartum period and then asking for it. But like some signs would be, that you maybe really need a little bit more help. Um, if you're in obviously in physical pain, uh, a lot of the day, like seek somebody to help get you out of that because chronic pain, I've lived through that. It's terrible, especially I can't imagine in the postpartum period. Like if you're feeling pain, get help. Um, cause it's really hard to show up for yourself, your kid, your partner, all of that. And then if you're feeling like I kind of was leading to earlier, more moments of just not joy and not happiness. Like, Ideally, and in, in over the course of the day, like I said, we can feel a lot of things, but joy ideally is a part of that. Um, even if it's just glimpses, like seeking the moments of joy. And if you're not feeling those, if you're searching for them and you can't find them, that's definitely a sign to get help in some capacity. And then if you don't feel nourished, I think that's bigger than people realize. And I know you guys both understand this with your education and nutrition, but not being nourished on like an actual biological level with like the, the micro and macronutrients that our bodies need can then trickle out and impact us in so many ways. They can lead to more chronic pain. They can lead to severe anxiety. They can lead to all these things um, to maybe nursing struggles too. So finding ways to ensure that you are nourished and that you are, your needs are being met. Um, people can, these, you know, right now people can buy food and have it delivered to your house. People can, there's lots of different things that and ways people can serve you with food without actually having to make it by hand and bring it to your house and, and connect in person. Um, so even if it's like asking a family member, Hey, uh, we just, we just started working with vital choice and their salmon is over and above anything I've ever tasted. So maybe you ask a family member who, you know, can do it to support you by purchasing a subscription box. And so you're getting a box of 
wild caught salmon, you know, every month or every two months and little things like that. Um, I think are really, really effective and important as well. I I love that. Yeah. And it's, that's actually part, like a big part of what I'm working on with this postpartum project now is around the food of like, what specifically do you need to replace? Because birth and pregnancy are so depleting. And so is breastfeeding that like there's specific nutrients you need a lot of like iron when you're bleeding so much, like you need to replace that. And, um, so yeah, it's not even necessarily like just high quality food. Like there might be specific nutrient deficiencies you have during this period that are going to affect everything else. Cause it is a big stressor on your body to be deficient in even one specific nutrient. So um, I, I definitely love that from the nutrition perspective, but I feel like when you started talking, you could have been directly talking to me because I don't know, like both of you actually, I was having a rough day last week and I think I might've sent you both some really vague message about like, I'm kind of having a tough day and like, I, I am not great at being direct and saying, here's the kind of help I could use. Um, so yeah, that that's that's something I'm working on now, even with my husband, like kind of trying to say, okay, I want the massage for 15 minutes a day. Like we learned this little routine. Can you do it for me? Like I honestly struggle with being direct like that. So I love, love, love that advice and need it myself. <laughs> Same. It takes practice, at least from what I'm learning, because this whole thing, like when I was early postpartum, I didn't know what I was experiencing. I, I had no idea because it just felt so normal, I guess, to me. And like, it just kind of swallowed me up before I could even process what was happening. So kind of flexing that muscle, like you were saying, Laura, and just practicing, okay, what tuning into yourself, first of all, and then asking for it. I I think that's just the best advice ever, because it seems so obvious, but it's not. (laughs) It's so hard. So hard. Totally. All of this is hard. There's no one right way. And even taking everything that I say with a, a grain of salt, you know, and like what resonates. I think that's the biggest thing is like, what resonates? What sounds like, yeah, you know what? That's something like Michelle, you just said, you know, that resonates. I feel like I could be asking for more and being a little more clear. Some people that might not resonate. Maybe that's really, really uncomfortable for somebody. It's going to actually make them more anxious to ask for help than just to kind of sit in it and feel it for a little while. And it's just, it's choose picking and choosing. We like, there's so many opinions and perspectives through this journey and picking and choosing what really feels like it's going to serve you and your family and then running with it. And if that's not the thing, it's okay. <laughs> and we got to experiment with a lot of different things and ask for help in a lot of different ways. And if you ask for something and it doesn't actually help, that's also fine. It's not a failure. You've taken a step to care for yourself and that's, that's a huge win. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, it's just, it's such a, a, a difficult time. And I think like you were saying, Marissa, like it's hard to even know when you're in it, if you are having a tough time or like, is everybody else who's postpartum going through the same experience and I'm just being kind of a baby about it or like, um, like you don't know. And I think that's something that's really hitting me now with having a second kid, like how bad it was with Connor. (laughs) Um, cause it's just so different and it's not, it's not to like judge that experience, but like going through those feeding issues are really, really hard. Like he was losing weight and just everything hormonally, I think might've been affected by not breastfeeding. Well, I'm not sure, but like my sleep was bad. Like, I I don't know. It's, but I didn't know that literally until now how bad it was with him, if that makes any sense. Um, just knowing like how it could be different. Compare it to. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully that doesn't take away from, you know, also the, that experience, it is what it is. And it's brought you in some capacity to where you are now, you know? So it's like, I can see how, cause you mentioned, you said the word guilt earlier. Um, that's just a hard feeling to feel. And just because their experiences are different doesn't mean that one is necessarily worse, harder. Yes. But I mean, he's, wonderful yeah. <laughs> so are you uh, you know so it's like that's as hard because you know comparison can be the thief of joy there's I don't know who said that some probably some proverb or something but uh it's like kind of just taking each experience as it is and yeah that's I want to say embrace it, but that's really hard <laughs> yeah totally. like it, like saying 
oh, this is what normal is. I should have noticed that with him. And I just didn't know. I was a first time mom. (laughs) Like I didn't, like I would have done anything to make sure he was fed well. I didn't know he wasn't. And we did everything we could at the time. But it's like now in retrospect, a second kid, I'm like, oh, it's so obvious that he had all these feeding issues. And it's like, yeah, but it wasn't then. You can't judge. (laughs) You can't judge yourself two and a half years ago when you didn't know anything about being a parent. (laughs) I think instead you could be like, man, I did a kick-ass job, even though I was a first time parent, you know, even though I didn't know anything. And here I was like, and my kid is thriving and we made it through. And that's because of me versus like, you know, I think that's kind of a cool way to, I have this, um, multiple question little thing that I work through um, and I got this from my friend Melissa and it's it's like you ask the question of could I can I you, you tell yourself a story you know and it's like can I know for certain that that's true like that in some way maybe in this scenario like you you could have done better right like that's the thing could I, could I know for certain that I could have done better yeah like you, you can't know for certain because that's that's a that, that was an experience that happened and and then like who holding on to this belief um how is, is holding on to this belief that maybe I didn't serve him the way that he I could have, is that benefiting you in any way? Mm-mm. It's like, no, it's not, you know, it's just, and this is all not necessarily, I'm not trying to like, uh, <laughs> therapist you right now. I'm no, just no, kind no. of using that as an example. And then the final one is, um, who would I be without this, like this belief, um, or the story that I'm telling myself and, you know, m- you know, maybe you'd be able to show up more and use that mental emotional capacity to, um, serve him or yourself or your daughter in other ways or you know this is it's kind of like a quick run through but it's it's been so powerful for me when I hold on hold on to a belief in any capacity um I, I feel like I haven't actually really shared this anywhere but why not here um Evie was born with a a, a heart defect she had a pulmonary valve stenosis and when I when we first found out it I spiraled and I thought it was me and of course I was up in the middle of the night nursing and I got on google and I was looking up like heart defects and what you could be doing during pregnancy. And, um, I got a terrible, terrible stomach flu when I was 10 weeks pregnant. And mm. I was like, I couldn't keep anything down. I was like, like exorcist vomiting. And I was like, rest is like, I have to do something. Right. So we called the nurses and they prescribed something. And at the point, I was like delirious. And so I took it, um, and ended up being, I think Zofran is what it's called, which is a anti-nausea medication, especially used for women with, uh, like HG and super bad nausea. And I took too much. So I took like double dose or whatever. And mm. of course, you know, I start Googling like, what did I take? And I Google that and then heart defect and whatever. And some, some like super probably anecdotal thing came up about like, Oh, it could be related. And that moment I didn't see anything else. I didn't see any of the other science behind the fact like the heart's already developed by then. Like that couldn't have done it necessarily. And I just remember holding her and just sobbing and like crying and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over and over again. I'm going to cry just thinking about this. Um, and then I just held on to that. So for like the next week, I felt this like deep guilt and I felt like envious in a way for lack of a better word of like other moms who had kids who didn't have anything. Um, so weird. It was, it was crippling and it lasted like two days. And then I went to therapy literally two days later. So I was like, I need to work through this. Um, and we worked through that, those questions. And it was so powerful for me because it was like, who you know, and she had no symptoms, nothing of this thing. Um, and it was very minor, but still like to me in that moment, it was, there was nothing minor about it. So, you know, can I know for a fact that I somehow caused this? Absolutely not. There's no, no way to know for certain. So that was, that was the first question. Second question is like, is it serving me in any capacity to hold on to this belief that somehow I gave her a heart defect? Absolutely not. I was in a terrible headspace for those couple of days. And then the third question is like, who would I be if I were to let go of this story that I've told myself? And it would be a, be- a better mom to her. And so, and then I, there's one more and I believe it's like, and then, so then I like to wrap that by like flipping the script. So like, how can I take this experience and maybe shift my perspective? And so I came out of that thinking like, well, she has no symptoms. She's thriving. She was a 10 on the APCAR score. None of the doctors even knew that she had it until they found a heart murmur like a little bit later. And why is that? And, that, and so like, that's because of me because I nourish myself and I love her and I care for her and I'm a good mom. And so she's thriving. Um, and it was incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful to use that and remind myself, like I had told myself the story and it was just debilitating me as a human. It's all I could think about. And so coming out the other side of that, I was like, no, I'm actually very empowered by this and we can't control everything. And then to kind of wrap that with a bow, she went and saw a cardiologist for, um, every like a month, I think for her first, however long. And then 
thread and thread and thread and it's actually gone. It resolved um, her heart healed. So that's powerful. <laughs> but it's just like this, um, I don't know, it's, it's our perspectives on a scenario can totally impact the way that we then move through life and, and exist as humans and moms and all of it. So um, yeah, that <laughs> another tangent, but that's been a huge, powerful lesson for me postpartum and beyond. No, I love that so much. I will either find something to link to or type that out in the show notes because I feel okay. like it, that's amazing. Um, and one one resource I've actually really liked too is um, I know you had Kate Markovitz on your podcast. Yeah, I got her. Project. Yeah, yeah, I got her journal, her postpartum journal for this experience, and it it does kind of make you ask yourself some of the tough questions like Mm -hmm. am I being direct and asking for the care I need like am I being honest with the people I said would care for me and am I nourishing myself like kind of just all these things um that forces you to look at it in a way yeah (laughs) Um, totally because it's kind of I don't know at least for me like super easy to just sink deeper into the thoughts and the I don't know like not look at it from a productive standpoint, I guess. But oh man, yeah, that that made me want to cry too. <laughs> <You got me. laughs> uh, so powerful, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I cry. It's like teared up a little bit. I cry every time I think through that whole experience because it was so hard on my on myself. And um, I'm glad that I was able to have the tools and the therapist and everything. To truly, that that like headspace that spiral was only a couple of days, and then. But I have this glimmer of what it's like for some moms who that's their every day for months, potentially years. That's got to be really, 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 really almost like not the words to express how hard that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to share for Mm -hmm. anyone going through the postpartum period or love on yourself and feel the, feel the stuff. I think that's a good thing to end on too is like, it's okay to feel crappy. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to mourn the loss of your life beforehand and also to feel overwhelming love for this little thing. Like all those things can coexist and it's okay to um, sit in that. And sometimes you just have to kind of feel it for a while. Have a really, really, really big cry. And maybe if, you're, if your partner starts asking what's wrong, tell them that they don't need to ask that because it was powerful for me to have Rusty just sit next to me and rub my back and say, it's okay to cry. Sometimes you just need to be told it's okay to cry and you don't have to explain yourself. Um, because I think as parents, especially new moms, we think, well, if I'm crying, then, uh, you know, I should be just be grateful, but it's also, it's okay to feel the things and to sit there and just to cry and cry and cry and have that release. Yes. Yes. So much. Yes. Um, Laura, <laughs> we'll, we'll link to all of your stuff, but do you want to just go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you? I'm on the gram at uh, laura.radicalroots and then also modern mama's podcast. That's just all one word, no periods or anything. We got it. Um, you can find me my website is myradicalroots.com. Um, and those two places you can find me, find everything you need to know. Um, and it would be a joy to connect. Okay. Thank you Thank so you much so for much. being here. Thank you. This is awesome, you guys. You're yeah, amazing. I think this and is I such an so important grateful. discussion. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a joy. And at some point, we'll have to have you two on. I think it'd be fun to do like a podcast inception of some sort. Oh, my God. We gosh. would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, enjoy your day. Thank you both so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Bye. 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 Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.